It's the Shooting the Sheet podcast. Uh, we're starting over for the second time. I'm Jay. I'm Miles. I guess, yeah, I just... Oh, and I, I'm also here. I'm also Jay. We're doing the podcast for real this time. We're not getting distracted. That's totally untrue. We cannot keep to that promise of not getting distracted. I mean, Jay, you literally play video games while you're podcasting. And I'm good at it. I know how to multitask. You two are getting distracted talking about when the furnace guy is coming over to repair the furnace. You're the one who started that train of thought for me. I was just joking about (laughs) that it's cold in this house, except we have space heaters. Do not start something if you don't expect me to finish it. That's the exact same thing I said about that pie. All right. So anyway, uh, yeah, we're we're shooting the sheet. We're going to talk about about tabletop tabletop RPGs. Yeah. And this time we're going to introduce the topic now instead of halfway through the podcast, but we still won't talk about it till the end because I don't know. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, so uh, it's kind of, I don't want, I don't necessarily think it's vague per se, but we are talking about rules and law, not laws, uh, rules, rules, lawyering, um, maybe laws. I mean, maybe. I know you wanted to talk about fantasy laws. We can talk a bit about some some of our preferred house rules, too. Ooh, yeah. If I can remember any of them right now. Um, I admittedly think probably any house rules we'll talk about will be exclusive to mostly 5e, with the exception, though, of that list you told me about. Yeah. What systems it for? Ooh, we'll find out. It's the Pathfinder 2 (laughs) playtest. I'm going to strike that from the record. You won't remember to edit that (laughs) out. What did we do with... (laughs) Oh, God, I've been so called out. Because even (laughs) if I edit this tomorrow, I... That's the thing. I'll listen to it, and I will still leave it in. Because I'm like, "Eh, it's funnier. It's funnier that way. Editing note uh, for tomorrow. Jay, it's 1.30 in the afternoon. Have you eaten anything yet? Go get some water. (laughs) Oh no. That that's the most called out I've been. You're going to forget that and be like, "Oh my god, he's psychic." Time travelers. No, I don't think you're psychic, hon. I think that you might have known me for about 4 years now. Um, what did we do in tabletop games this week? Uh we discovered in our group that we do not la- have any uh so in the game that Miles runs, uh, we discovered that our group lacks any semblance of any, like, group think or ability to talk to anybody and, like, act as a cohesive unit. We have the opposite of group think. We are all of us always thinking different things. And if somebody starts thinking the same thing that you're already thinking, like repellent magnets, you'll <laughs> slide off into some other thoughts. We encountered some uh, people that had been kept prisoner... And then immediately, like, became, somehow became accident, well, for me, accidentally, but standoffish, and just, you we gave just one spent of them a so heart much attack. time. You, you gave I one of them a heart attack by screaming attack, at but... each other, screaming at each other in front of this, <laughs> like, 65-year-old man, also about how there was a dragon outside. I I am very pro uh 
keeping the silence about that dragon. I'm pro giving people heart attacks. What did he also faint onto the chaise lounge with his corset on? They were in grow up. They were in a prison. Well, Fuck him. Uh, well, I I will say this. And you're gonna... I I am on the I am on the side of telling him about the dragon, but maybe not like screaming at each other the entire time while doing so. Grow up. I. Yeah, yeah, I could have been pro-dragon if we handled it tactfully and if anyone other than the character that hates this dragon that's on our side, I think, uh, was the one bringing it up. But that's just me. Either way, it was great fun and is a proof that, um, well, I, I said that we're family and I think we're also digging into characters' secondary issues in this game now. We we handled a lot of our primary ones. Yeah, we sure uh, are digging into some secondary issues. Um, who knows? I maybe... love found family. I found fo uh, 14 of them this month already. Look at this. <laughs> they open up like a Tupperware full of tadpoles <laughs> and shit. Speaking of a found family of 14 characters, uh, I also played in the Final Fantasy game this week, which has a party of 13 people. Um... <laughs> We made it to Rocket Town, and everybody fucking hates Sid because he deserves it. Um, yeah, I feel like depending on who's GMing that game, Sid's either going to come off as a lot more favorably or how I view him. And it sounds like you got how I view him. Why? What's he bad? Is he like a war criminal or a sex pest? Uh, he's wicked verbally abusive. Oh. Yeah, like... Especially to his... Uh, is it his wife or his girlfriend? His uh, wife, right? His girlfriend. Technically not his wife, just a uh, woman who lives with him, who does everything for him because her... Uh, because her being in the way of, of the rocket launching uh, kept him from achieving his life's dream. So because her... Because she was selfish enough not to just die... Yeah, she she feels like she owes him. It's great. It's healthy. It's wonderful. They oh, both God. feel that I way disagree. about her. I think her. Sid was totally in his right. If my wife got in the way of me launching a rocket, I would never be the same. Um, I feel like Jay is just setting up some future catastrophe of like a toy rocket, and me being like, "Huh, no." But this, you... but this was the best stunt in Jackass Three. I have to do it. No, and it's just like gonna be a safe rocket, but I'm like gonna be like, "Oh, hun, no, don't forget, we have to walk Cisco." And I would know that you'd been replaced with a doppelganger because we never walk Cisco. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but so we spent a good bit of time. Uh, Aerith tried to actually recruit Shira, his girlfriend, to the party. And get her to leave oh, Sid, the... uh, while we by the power of Grayskull, <laughs> um, while like Yuffie and a couple other characters made plans for. All right, we're gonna make this guy think that we're here with Shinra, getting ready to restart the space program, uh, and like because we blew up the reactor, the town had just backup power going. And he was like, "Yeah, if these backup generators fail, then." we might not be able to ever launch this rocket because if the if the power goes out to it it might be it might be done forever like cool all right so we're going to destroy these backup generators we're going to get this man thinking that 
we're here to, you know, make his dreams come true, and then we're gonna long play it and get him to have the absolute crushing realization that no one gives a shit about his dream. Oh god, I love doing that to a grown man in his 50s. So, he's supposed to be 35? I think the only reason people... Oh, really? Yes. Is he 35? I don't Sid know. in I've Final always, Fantasy VII okay. is supposed to be 35. Oh. Well, okay, well, I saw him in Advent Children. So... No, 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 no. I'm just know. saying For that because reason, he... I remember him he, as being... He... No, he, he looks like he's supposed to be in his, like, 50s, I'd say. But nope, he's 35. Well, in Final he's... Fantasy 14, he's like a washed-up, like, old man. He looks like a well, that's a different Dante Sid from the DMC five. <laughs> that's a different Sid, and also Final Fantasy fourteen Wait, Sid. Since when are they different Sids? Wait, hun, really? I thought they were all the same Sid. That was like the connecting thread. Some Sids oh. aren't even human. No, there. Well, there's all shit happens. There's Life's crazy. There's there's always a Sid, <laughs> and there's always an airship. Uh, but they're never the same. Hun, it's fine. Yeah, there's always a Sid. Um, no, I'm fucking with you. I knew that. I'm looking at him. I'm trying to get all him Final to... Fantasies are the goddamn same. <laughs> you I summon mean, the same little, Ifrit. Yeah. You have the same like journey about believing in yourself, and you and fly the, crystals. the same goddamn blimp. Hmm. You get the crystals. You ride a blimp. Who cares? I actually wish that there were more Final Fantasies these days that were just about riding in a blimp and sometimes doing stuff the with crystals. blimp is a car. You never know. Uh, but I'm just someone that's like, ooh, Bravely Default is like as close as I'm going to get to a new Final Fantasy these days. Uh, um, but yeah, we got to Rocket Town. We started to do a long a long run with Sid, uh, getting him to have just absolute crushing despair. And as it turns out, President Reeve showed up because Reeve is president now because we killed uh, Rufus. And kind mm -hmm. of Heidegger. Reeve and us worked together on killing Heidegger. Um, but President <laughs> Reeve showed up, told Sid, Hey, go wait in your house. I'll meet with you later. And then left with us. Um, uh, after telling us that, hey, Cloud Strife was never in Soldier. He was just a he was just a basic grunt. There was never anyone in Soldier named Cloud Strife. Like, cool, cool. All right, we're getting into he was this just plot a basic line now. Bitch. Um, and you looked but, over, and he was drinking a pumpkin spice latte. But, and you're but, like, how did we never see it before? Great, great jokes. Yeah. Uh, but then we just flew off and left Sid waiting in his house for a meeting that will never happen. Uh, while the backup How long generators did you have to slowly wait in the die. queue to get logged in. Ha 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 That's a Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker joke. Um, Jay but... and I signed into the game. So many people started playing this game that like, and the supply chain has got so few like things to build servers with that it made a grown man cry in front of everybody. I mean, it's it happens a lot with this grown man, but I feel bad for him. But uh. But yeah, no, we're, uh, we're, we're headed to the Temple of the Ancients and keep getting warnings about how, like, yeah, half of you are gonna probably die at the Temple of the Ancients. Like, cool, 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 cool. I only have one character wait, left. Are those in-game, or is that from your GM? Uh, from the GM. Oh! Well, I'm guessing that if you die, uh, 
you don't get to play anymore because you only have one character? Uh, no, because we've got people with, uh, we have at least, we have one player with three characters and everyone else has at least two characters. Oh no, we have two players with three characters mm -hmm. and everyone else has two characters. So if, uh, my last character dies, theoretically one of the characters with three character, one of the players with three characters could go down to two characters and I'll get one of the characters that is left over. I mean, let's see. You could always play... I'm trying to think if I can think of anyone that's important. Well, I'd say you could always play as Cisne, a character I randomly liked from the prequel <laughs> game. But from nope. what I gathered, she's dead. She so. is dead. She got, she got killed by Avalanche in Wall Market, and Yuffie currently has her shuriken and used it to kill her partner, Chuck. That is saddening to me. Because, again, I don't hey, know it, why I like. her. It's fine. It was during the time when we were killing every Turk. There's there's two I'm Turks sure left alive. The there's two guys. Turks left alive. And it's uh, Sung and... Um, oh, the, the, blonde, the like blonde girl who He's gets added gosh. later that they run into in the Mithril Mine. Um, oh, yeah, I always forget her. Yeah, uh, she is the only Turk left alive and theoretically uninjured-ish. She escaped from her hospital room and is no longer working for Shinra. So, she and Sid are the two mini bot, er, like, two late-game-slash-mid-game bosses that we have created for ourselves to fill in some roles. <laughs> now... Assuming Sid doesn't you just know pull what? a, a uh, Randy Quaid in Independence Day with the tiny Bronco. And just, you know like, what? crash into the high wind. Hello, boys, I'm back! You know what, as uh, universally known as Final Fantasy VII is, maybe we should, yeah, we should move, move away this. from it. Yeah. Because as much as I love discussing it, I th wonder if... Like three fourths of our audience just are like, what? And there's only only so many Randy Quaid movies we can reference. Yeah, it's true. I can't even reference one. Um, I mean, I've hit my hard limit with Independence Day. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know that was him, and don't remember anything from it. Okay, well, there's also uh, Christmas Vacation, but that's all I've got. Mm. The I I all did right. not watch that because I don't like Chevy Chase. And you know, I've been thinking about them recently because it's getting to be Christmas time and everyone's like, oh, what are your Christmas movies you're going to watch? And I think about going through them and I'm like, I think Christmas Vacation just fucking sucks. Is that a hot take? I don't know. No, also, hun, the last person sucks. I know that asked you that was me. Is that like your interpretation of me when I asked you what Christmas movies do you like? No, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. Gremlins. I know you've said that. For me, I like Home Alone 1 and 2 for some reason, uh, and uh, Always Sunny Christmas, which counts. You like reason. Home Alone yeah. 1 and 2. I know the reason you like Home Alone 1 and 2. It's because you just really hate Joe Pesci's nuts. <laughs> uh, well, I want that goddamn Joe Pesci castrated. No, honestly, I think it's because growing up, I was really attached with my mother, and I've always resonated with stories of... Mothers trying really hard to get to their children. And damn, if my mom was 90s uh, Catherine O'Hare, I'd be pretty attached to her. Hey. 
Oh, All right, my so uh, worst Jerry, uh, we're, we're uh. Gonna, I I don't know if we're gonna do give me a guy this week because we're gonna do worst Jerry. I sent out a prompt to these folks yesterday, and we've had a non-zero number of minutes to think about it. Um, All right, our prompt so, this week what was, was the prompt? amorphous, amorphous, um, and I got started thinking about it just because I was like. Well, okay, how much cornstarch could you dump into a slime before they started to be more, like, silly putty? And just get this, like, living <laughs> silly putty creature where normally with slimes, like, if you use a slashing weapon on it, theoretically you could cut it into two slimes with, like, half the hit points and half the size. But in this case, if you use, like, a piercing or slashing weapon on this silly putty slime... It would just, like, you'd have to make a strength save to avoid it getting stuck inside it. Alternatively, what about, like, uh, those cornstarch things, the non-Newtonian liquid, that it mm. responds to how much, like, pressure is put on it. So you have to kill it slowly. Ooh. Give it some resistance to That's bludgeoning damage. Oh, yeah. Um, the I also was thinking slime, about, like... Instead of passing through, it just becomes perfect armor. Uh, but just, like, thinking about a different version of changelings, where rather than use magic to change their appearance, they just, like, reshape their face. They just, like, grab it and twist it and sculpt it into a new shape. That's actually cool. It's, like, reminds me of Spy Kids 1. And the weird gumbo mash-faced fucking thing. Oh, yeah. My entry is uh, for Amorphous is kind of going with a weird version of shapelessness, I think. Uh, I'm going with a sentient ink that Ooh. lives in a book. Maybe that's part of the book. I don't know. Um, and it forms words and images that at first seem to dis uh uh like are just makes uh people go mad but really they're not mad they're just actually kind of annoying pretentious about it and it uses this to distract to essentially uh consume all knowledge that the host that carries it around with them has as well as i don't know just kill them eventually i i was trying to think of, ooh maybe what if it was if what if it's an ink slime that um, sort of exists as text, but like it uses it? It's a mimic ink slime, a mimic. Yeah. That. Um, Ooh, thank you. That you that uh, changes around to like appear as text, and someone will think like someone will find it and think, oh, this is a book, and then they take that book back to their library, and in the dead of night, the mimic slinks out to consume the ink and grow larger off of the other pages of all the book, and it's also called a. Uh, when people don't catch it at all, they think, like, what creature has done this? And that's how they thought it was a bookworm. But no, uh, it just leaves... It consumes all the ink and leaves a bunch of blank pages. And they're like, motherfucker! I think Jay has once again demonstrated the problem with the Worsieri. I was trying really hard to keep this really dumb, which is part of the reason why I sounded very dumb. The other reason is because I'm very dumb. But Jay just made this mimic sound like an actually cool like entity it's a hazard for librarians that's its characteristic i i do really like and that I, uh 
you talking about a sentient ink creature, sentient ink mimic, honestly, though, just makes me, it, it like, full head empty, only thought about ink from Batman Beyond. One of the coolest uh. villains, and, and also, uh, yeah, that, that's the only reason anyone ever thinks about ink, is just that she's really cool. Yeah, Miles over here got sprung when we started talking about ink. That is untrue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that oh, is, no, that is I... untrue. Uh... I do not have a boner. Do not say I have a boner. Listen, when I hear the word amorphous, <laughs> the first thing my brain goes to is I have no mouth and I must scream. And then it goes to Lovecraft and I tried really hard to separate my brain from that. And then I was like, you know what, Lovecraft, like, tools make me, uh, like, are pretentious and they annoy me. And then that's how this happened. And then I got stuck looking at uh, Shades of Yellow and realizing that Shades of Yellow have the stupidest names out there. Hmm. There's, like, none. They are basically just descriptors and yellow. You don't get, uh, like, actual colors, like forest or mauve. It's... Hmm. Neon yellow, sunshine yellow, and I, this is going to end my rant about I dislike one color and it is yellow. I've got an idea mm. for an amorphous thing. It is amorphous in that it's like constantly like shifting shapes. Do you remember that like one rainbow cube uh, wallpaper, the screensaver that would bounce across the screen and like change its shape oh, in weird yeah. ways, like an early little. Because sometimes object. it would become a circle or yeah. a ball. It looks like that, but they call it a a peeler um, because it's like that because it exists in the in four spatial dimensions and it sees uh for reference sake like it sees humans as like little moving stickers on a flat plane um and it peels that sticker off so if it gets on your arm uh it starts at like extremities or something so if it touches your arm it like makes your arm vanish because it's peeled that off of the third dimension into the fourth dimension. Mm -hmm. And if he gets all of you, you're just disconnected, floating off of the dimension. You've become phased out of the universe. I I love that. And Jay, Is that a little too high concept? I, I, I just have to say, honey, you're very smart and very creative. And I cannot wait to see what you do with your new Monera game. No, all my good ideas I'm wasting right here. That's true. I'm not going to have shit. See, <laughs> We're going to play new Monero. And, I, and it's just, a dog. I'm just thinking about those things as like an alternate version, like trap thing for chromatic orb. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like you, you release a couple of them into a hallway, like some fucking caltrops and they just go around and like, like you can you can still trip on them you have to avoid them it slows movement and if you make contact with them you take a random uh, amount of damage like you would with chromatic orb but just like toned down a bit i don't know oh it makes sense that's no i think that'd be a good way of rolling them or running with them anyway so uh, miles but, but you working yeah, on anything Am I working oh, on anything? Yeah. Uh, Don't bother. Just put no. ditto from. Just put ditto in your game from Pokemon. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm not working on shit right now because I have had to 
spend so much of my mental energy focused on how the world in Icewind Dale is changing for a Frost Maiden game that I am like creatively tapped out so much uh, recently. It's like, and y'all took down an entire region's spy network. There's so much shit happening now. <laughs> Wait, was that the people we killed in the building? Uh, or is that what the one player has been doing? That's what the one player did with the assassination. Um, thanks to that did assassination. Did you just want us to go and do a different? <laughs> no. Uh, I love that no, player you're actually... character. But I'm like, did you want us just to go and do a different campaign? Because like, I feel like we're playing two different campaigns right now. Oh no, uh, you're you're about to be brought into maybe some parts of that. Some parts of the ripples of that. Um, no, that makes sense. Um, it's very interesting to see Miles talking about all these things happening. It's like, wait, what? What? Oh, our characters didn't do anything like that. Um, one of these days, we'll Look, do something only, interesting. Only one character's allowed to be highly effective at a time. It's It's her turn right now. I was going to say, when has anyone been highly effective in our group? Eh, there have been moments. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. No, I get that. We definitely need to cover burnout. Um, uh, which is someone with anxiety and ADHD. I suffer from a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and... Uh, honestly, I don't have a whole lot to talk about myself. Um, I forgot to actually schedule a session zero for our podcast uh, fun shot on Sunday, so we didn't have anything like that. And I was like, "Yeah, that's on me." Didn't realize till it was like seven thirty-eight. Like, shit, I'm really great at this communication thing. I don't even remember what happened. That oh wait, that's the day the furnace broke. Yeah, that explains it. Um. Aside from I, that, I've just been doing. Go I ahead. didn't. I didn't realize that it was happening so soon. I thought we were starting that up in January. Yeah, at least talking about it and getting some stuff settled, we can start it whenever, really, whenever people have time or want to. But it, again, I'm trying to keep this project. Uh, again, Fun Shot is going to be our podcast where we are going to be doing one shots and short games up to like maybe five sessions. Um. And uh, especially it's going to be for trying out new systems and homebrew rules and whatnot. Uh, but I'm trying to keep this for like anyone that we've talked about playing it. It's like, yeah, this is really loose. I'm not trying to like beg you guys to do big commitments right now. It's like, yeah, if you can commit to like a few games and then, you know, need to drop out for a while. Do it. Just do it. I don't know why I'm talking about this right now. Yeah. My mind is elsewhere. But. In theory, I should start thinking about one or two things I want to run for that. Because I know I want to run a Gone, and I know I want to run a uh, a game of Sentinel Comics. Because I still have not run oh, either of cool. those two systems. And they're neat. I actually have a, a two or three modules for Sentinel Comics that came in this big old bundle I got. 
Actually, I, I made a Google Doc of, like, game systems and then anyone that would like to try GMing them and such and anyone that would like to try playing in them just to, like, gauge interest of stuff. You did? Um, and I do... Yeah, I didn't share it to anybody, but I made it. Ah, okay, that explains it then. Uh, <laughs> I, just because I made something <laughs> does not mean that... <laughs> Sorry, no, it's it's something I made and I was like, oh, I feel... I get really anxious, even about people I care about, like, showing them things sometimes. I'm like, oh, oh, you don't... If I show them this, then this is going to seem like I want things from them. And even if I did, I don't want to be an imposition on them. Uh, so I'm just never going to talk about it. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's going to be one of those projects that I bet Miles, Jay, and I are going to be in almost all of them. Actually, I'll probably be in all of them just uh, as the quote-unquote host, but not GMing. Uh, I do want to try not GMing, but Ryutama will be our first, and then we'll see where we go from there, because every time I look at my bookshelf, I get, like, pulled to another system. It's okay. As the cold comes in, we'll have to burn these, and then we'll have fewer. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, if we need to start burning something, uh, let's start... Thirteen 13th age. No! 13th Age is one of the ones that's calling to me right now. One of the things I've oftentimes said, and I will go on the record of this, is the saddest thing about what happened with... One sec, Jay is loudly eating almonds. <laughs> and I'm being a butt for no reason. I don't think it's getting picked up. Oh, that's good. I mean, um. I'm definitely hearing it. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, but, uh, I've oftentimes said the worst thing that happened uh, with, like, the reaction to 4E, uh, D&D 4E, was that it never got to, like, be, in my opinion, built upon. Uh, it's just, like, we're gonna go past it, and there's a lot that I really liked in 4E. There's also a lot that hasn't aged well. But uh, 13th Age has been favor or compared favorably to that. But that's probably because you have some old school D&D developers on that. But then again, you see that with a lot of uh, tabletop indie games. It's like, yeah, I worked on D&D uh, &D Insert Edition here. Hmm. But I do want to try 13th Age real bad. I want to try this game called Unity real bad, which from what I oh, heard... Oh, no, I put it in the furnace. I want to try getting Jay to not throw my books in the furnace, which you actually you know what? That wouldn't matter because our furnace isn't making fire right now. So, Oh, it will. Let's, you can put them in the, let's do, let's do an episode of fun shot on burning wheel. And, you know, to keep it as a miniature arc in burning wheel, we'll only run it for like 30 episodes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, for, for burning wheel, every five minutes we spin a wheel, and if it lands on burn, we take a page out. <laughs> uh, so, 
let's uh, just go straight into an RPG horror story. And uh, something I like to see is when Miles and I go to um, the RPG horror Reddit and we somehow do find the same story that we're like, this seems like a pretty good one. Yeah, we somehow find the same story so, that's also on the first page of results whenever we search a thing. <laughs> shh, shh. Listen, when I search for them, I look for the amount of upvotes to some degree, and then the length of the thing. Um, I don't need it to be the most upvoted thing ever, but usually anything over, like, 50 is interesting. But I'll check out anything if it the title captures me. So, Jay, did you want to read it? Oh, I sure do. This is posted by user ogregvoy to r slash RPG Horror Stories. Rules lawyer brings in someone to vet me as a GM. This happened a few years ago and caused me to change my rules on who is allowed to just show up in my games if it's affiliated with a community server. I was running the game Masks, a new generation, for a community Discord server dedicated to PBTA. Powered by the Apocalypse. I posted the game on the server and invited players to a private one. I also used Roll20 for the sheets and notes. Around the time, I was pretty chill with allowing players to invite people to my server to listen or ask questions. It was nice since it gave people a chance to listen and or ask me anything about running games. This game, however, made me change my rules, only allowing players to stay in my servers. Part 1. The Rules Lawyer I had four players in total. The only player that was important to the story was the rules lawyer, who I will call Joe. He was someone that I would consider to be a partially correct rules lawyer, since most of the time he would try to stop the game to make a claim that, while it was generally correct, he would be off base with saying that I was wrong. During the first session, one of the GM players rolled a miss, and I had to make a hard move. GMs in masks don't roll, but rather make moves based on the player's roll. Under the circumstance of the situation, I thought it would make sense for the player to mark a condition. I could not move on because Joe was not having it. He kept claiming that I couldn't make the choice and make that choice and was livid. He kept attempting to pause the game so he could look through the book to prove me wrong by citing a different move I would have to make. I allowed it, thinking it would resolve itself quickly. About five minutes in, Joe didn't say anything and asked for more time. I was under the impression that he didn't want to admit he was wrong, so I just put a screenshot from the book starting stating condition marking as an option. This would happen a number of times over the course of one session. I didn't want to get too much into every single one. This happened every t yeah. I didn't want to get too much into every single time this happened, but it happened enough to where I had to table a lot of things I had planned for the next session. After the session, I asked Joe to refrain from interjecting every time he disagrees with a rule and either wait between breaks to discuss it with me or DM me. He agreed and I thought all would be good. I was wrong. Part 2. The Rules Lawyer's Friend Session 2 went by smoothly, and I didn't run into any issues. Joe didn't interrupt the game with any issues with the rules and sent DMs to me once in a while. Session 3 is when things started to get worse. I came into the voice call that day a bit late and saw a new person there, who I will call Bob. Bob told me he was new to masks and wanted to know more about how to run a campaign. I was pretty excited, so I gave him a link to Roll20 and shared some of my campaign notes. Bob was quite engaging, asking questions, covering the basics of, of the game, and tips we were making when making sure people get a good amount of spotlight every session. I didn't mind the questions since they were done via DM. However, his questions started to gradually turn into suggestions on how he would run. 
I didn't mind then, since they were pretty cool ideas, but some of them involved book knowledge about the game. Bob's ideas went from having a villain hijack a supersonic train to incorporating Dr. Toria and Merit into my games. Merit is a supernatural investigation company, and the information you mentioned were things you'd get from the books. <coughs> it didn't add up, and I was a little confused, so I asked Bob if he was really new to masks. He eventually told me that he was indeed a veteran GM and has been in TTRPGs longer than I have. When I asked him why he pretended to not know anything, Bob said he was invited by Joe to make sure I knew how to run the game correctly. I honestly wasn't angry, but confused and a little betrayed by the fact that Joe was willing to invite someone to do that to me without any warning. When session three ended, I had a separate call with Joe to find out why he did this. How could you, Joe? He never really gave me an answer beyond, I didn't think you were a good GM, but it's all good because Bob checked and said you were good. Don't worry. He didn't apologize and didn't seem to care that I was bothered by this. At this point, I knew this wasn't going to work out, so I asked Joe to not come back. Bob left the server as well. The rest of the campaign went well. I invited an additional player to the game after a few more sessions, so no one seemed bothered by Joe leaving the game. I changed my rules since then and have not run into an issue like that again. Okay. Wow. I, I love the stupid subterfuge. It's not even the stupid amount of it. it it's, it's just... Or maybe it's this guy, uh, or maybe it's this guy, Bob, that has an excellent grift. He, like, you know, got some money out of that. Uh, th some rube comes to him on Discord, like, complaining, and he's like, uh, I'm actually a conf uh, professional consultant for DMs. I'll, like, listen to his game and uh, quiz him on to see if to evaluate him as a good DM. And then you charge, like, $85 for that for, like, two hours. I just... I can't even. Sorry, imagine. I went off on a whole thing in my head about how yeah. like this is a scam. I would be if I was the OP. I would have been mortified. Just like, like. Uh, You're having somebody <laughs> spy on me. Yeah, Not, like scared. What a weird, but what like, a weird move. Yeah, just like you feel like you need what to you call thinking, someone in, like, like they're my fucking supervisor. To be like, oh, well, no, I, okay, actually, you do know the rules of the game. It's like, motherfucker, knowing the rules of the game by heart is not the same as being a good GM. Like, yeah, which God. we'll definitely get into in a moment, but just, uh, it, it's also interesting to me, uh, that this is a rules lawyer that also doesn't know the rules, but from what I've seen on RPG Horror Story Reddits, that's kind of often. Uh, then again, we'll probably get onto our opinions about the rules in a few. Yeah. Um, I will say I am. Then again, I like, am terrified of being that person. I'm terrified of being like backseat GM. Whenever I'm a player and we're you we're doing a system that I am relatively familiar with, like I'm constantly worried about that and have to check that in myself of being like, well, hey, I mean, if someone's if someone's doing something that's theoretically against the rules, unless the GM asks, it's not my responsibility to do that because they they could absolutely still know. And are just choosing to, you know, keep it going. Because the most important rule is the rule of cool. 
That's true. Um, I, you know, I, I have to work to check that in myself because I struggle with that. And I'll admit, like, uh, uh, there have been times actually when I've been GMing that you've actually known a role for, like, uh, Savage Roll just because you've been reading the book and said something. And I've, I always appreciate it. If a person's not being a dick about it, if someone knows the rule and lets me know... I don't see a problem with that. I'll read the rule books, but um, I, I guess just as a general, let's get into our general feelings about rules as like rules, rules as written, strictness. Rules as law. Um, And since I'm beginning to speak, I guess I'll just go first. So uh, I feel like the more I run a system... Uh, the less I do things rules as written. Because at first I'll try to keep things not necessarily by the book. Because I will always go with rule uh, rule of cool overall. Um, and if something's really impeding our fun. I will definitely stop that rule. Mm. But I like the rules are a guideline. And... I do like some crunchier systems that have heavy rules, but... It's like jazz. It's the rules that you don't use. Yeah. Uh, I... But... Uh, yeah. I, I, I do like to... As I said, I, I do try to stick cl fairly close to the rules when I'm first learning a system, though. Because, like anything, if you want to break the system... You should know at least how it's intended to function. But very quickly, I will be like, no, fuck this. I don't want this. Um, uh, but how about you, Miles? How about when you're running a game or when you're running something new even? I'm I'm pretty much in the same boat with you on that. Uh, especially if, if I'm running something new and someone in the group knows the rules absolutely please do speak up just do it in a like oh mm. hey wait this is a this is a thing uh that you might not know about like do it in a that way not in a um you fucked up now <laughs> like <laughs> yeah i do think it, you do it in I a way very... where we can communicate with each other as human beings um and like fucking i ran i think in many ways you and i have a similar disposition yeah um, I ran Pathfinder for several years as, like, my primary system, and I still don't know all the rules of Pathfinder, because most of them just straight up don't fucking come up. Like, I played a Cavalier at one point and don't know the rules of mounted combat because I was playing a Centaur Cavalier, so I didn't have to worry about mounted combat because I was my own mount, um... But and like, for anyone listening who's probably new to GMing, you sure don't need to read the books and know all the rules starting out. It's uh, That's what an index is for when someone says, hey, what about this as a mechanic or system? You're like, I don't know anything about that. You find it in the index. Yeah, and like, it's part of why I still like rankle at the idea of the GM being God, like people referring to the GM as God, specifically because it creates that expectation of omniscience and you don't have to you don't have to be that um i will straight up say at one point i was running a pathfinder game and one of the players was doing 
specifically a like grapple focused fighter and i was like okay do you know the ins and outs of the pathfinder rules for grappling like yes i do i have a flow chart like cool i'm gonna lean on you to be doing that honestly because i'm not gonna fucking do it i'm not gonna and that that, <laughs> the fact is... that pathfinder grapple rules like are better off with you having a flow chart means I don't care enough to <laughs> learn them. <laughs> and honestly, that makes me think so. I love casters. I almost always, always pay cast a caster, especially in um, uh, 5e and stuff like that. But I do not have the mental capacity to remember every spell and every single effect. So if a player is playing a spell, unless it is like a that moment in our 5e game where the player had mistaken uh, Phantasmal Killer for Phantasmal Force, or vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, I'm usually gonna just fall on the player until, like, what they say the spell does, until I'm like, that sounds off. And admittedly, to do that, you do have to have some knowledge of the rules before you might be like, really? But... Yeah. Um, I mean, it's also why I oftentimes will say Dungeons Dragons is not far away, not the most crunchy system, but I still oh. don't think it's necessarily the best system for everyone to play with the exception of just how universally used and known it is. Mm -hmm. I still haven't figured out what I think that best system is yet. Um, I'll get back to you. Uh, I'm going to say, even though I haven't actually GM'd it yet, it's Ryutama because it has cute artwork. And it does something cool with the stats because I love the idea of rolling two dice for two stats for one move. Because that makes sense as to why certain things would be rely on like strength and dex and stuff to me. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, oh god, actually thinking about that just has me thinking about like crafting rolls in D, D, and how because there's no like profession skill uh which is something that i did appreciate in uh in pathfinder there being like a profession and crafting skills that you could fill in yourself um because there's none of that you kind of have to just be like all right well you're proficient with these tools all right what stat do i add uh whichever one's relevant at the time right now i guess yeah. I was like... I don't know, it's... Smithing, smithing shit, like, speaking of someone who taught blacksmithing, there's a lot of dexterity, inte dexterity, intelligence, strength, and wisdom involved at, like, every step of the process. How much, uh, endurance or constitution? Uh, well... That kind of depends, but generally speaking, I mean, I wasn't, like, making fucking armor, but, like, not not as not as much as it would be with all of the others. Realistically, I'd say dex and int are the two highest requirements with blacksmithing, because, like, you don't generally need... It's not about how hard you hit something, it's about where you hit it and being consistent with it. And knowing what you want to that do with sense. a piece of metal from the entire beginning to end of the process before you ever even heat it up. 
Like, that's Dex and but It to me. piece of metal. I think those things would be heavy enough that you need to, like... I don't know. I mean, a little no, bit, that, but it plasticizes would... when you get it to a when you get it to a good heat, and you can like okay. you yeah. If you're you, crafting, you don't need swords, to hit it super hard. If you're crafting swords, that's one thing. If you're crafting like armor or like a battle axe or like a big hammer, I would expect a little strength in there. I mean, a big and conversations like and conversations like these are what you should uh, have with. You know, people who are being rules lawyery because it's a sort of collaborative process of figuring out what even are the rules. And mm -hmm. to be fair, dealing with a rules lawyer is oftentimes far less about the rules themselves and more about the open communication. It's more about, uh, it's about... neuroses about power and control. Yeah, it's a it's about it's about classroom management. It's about establishing like... boundaries. Like, I admit, um, uh, in your 5e game, sometimes when someone's asking a question about rules, and I know it, uh, I'm gonna blame the ADHD on this one. Like, I just, before I even mean to, I'll be like, oh, I know this. Here, this is the information you wanted to know. Um, you have absolutely never done that in a way that has bothered me. Uh, or even, like, stuck out in my brain as, like, oh, huh, hmm. Like... And see, you're, that's you're kind of good. what I was trying to say about, like, what you've done in the games I've read, Miles, is similar, pretty much. Uh, the only reason I even thought about it is, it's like, okay, I see a little of what I do in Miles, and just kind of, uh, it's just trying to be helpful. And also, I think rules lawyering is bad if it's, like, an intentionally antagonistic thing as the DM, but... I'm also always about players offloading any amount of work that the GM has to perform. Mm. So if someone's asking a question uh, about like a class and you just played that class, maybe, or you're playing that class in another game. Yeah. <laughs> Say what the information is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I, I actually do kind of sometimes do and have fun with the GM as God joke, but only literally in just like the joke at the, like it's most joking sense, but I'm not someone who thinks the GM is in that much of more of a position of power. I mean, it's really basically the GM's bringing their playset over and then letting people put their dolls in the playset and moving everything around. Mm-hmm. You bring the Legos, and, you know, you'd be like, all these Legos I have, they are from the Harry Potter tile set. Uh, but if I, if they want to build a robot out of the Hogwarts Express, what are you going to do? But this is my dinosaur toy. But mm -hmm. that That's is the, the thing. The dinosaur is the engine that powers the Hogwarts robot. But here's the thing. This is where we could actually get into... Sometimes, though, it is necessary as a GM... Two, and this isn't exactly about rules, this is just about communication. If you're running a serious game, and someone's like, I want to play a, a Barney the Dinosaur, maybe that's a conversation you two need to have about this character before they enter the game. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. I, I don't know if that really falls into tone. this topic. Yeah, that that's expectations of tone. That, I feel like, kind of leans more into our last... Uh, our last topic of session zeros. 
Yeah. Like, when I say I'm loose with the rules and such sometimes, um, which I definitely am, uh, this is after, like, either thinking about them and, like, having communications with my players. And oftentimes, I'll be looser with rules with the more I know players anyways. It's like... So our advice seems to be, as always, like, communication good and, um... You know, just try to be normal as best you can. But, like, what if people aren't communicating and aren't, like, what if they're not chill? These, uh, the rules lawyers are people that are going to be coming out of the woodwork. They might not seem like the most approachable people to have the frank conversations about, like, this, now you're in a crisis. What do you do? You know what? Actually, I have a story where, uh, and it's not exactly the most interesting story, like a climactic one, but... I've been a player plenty of times, and there was a game that uh, I and um, a partner of mine had been in, and it was run by a close friend, and he was very old school in some ways, and very, I don't know where he got those specific rules from, but he basically did it so like that every action we did could get us experience points depending on what it was. And, like, if you roll the nat 20, you'd get more experience points and stuff. And mm. it got to the point where our one player, who was playing a rogue, was doing so many, like, sneaky things by herself, you know, as rogues do. She was pretty much eclipsing us all by at least a level or two. And we were like, hey, none of us really like this. And, you know, at first it started as just kind of, like, I'll be honest, a little grumbling after the game, like... It's a fun session, but, you know, there's starting to be some, like, gaps here about certain things. And then, eventually, it was just, we went out for a smoke break, and then, a kind of painful conversation. Because, uh, GM's a good person, uh, takes everything very hard, and was quite sad. Uh, he dug, I'll even say, he dug his feet in the ground about, like, that's how he's running his game. Uh, but then... For various reasons, mainly the fact that we had a pandemic, um, that game was postponed and then rebooted, and then when we rebooted it, uh, those rules were changed. He's like, yeah, I thought about it, and that's, we're gonna just do end of the session experience points. Yeah, individualized experience in points. Individualized experience is real, is a, it's a real hard needle to thread. Especially, and specifically in 5e. There are definitely systems where experience points work a lot better for individual things. Like, the Cypher system, you can use your experience points as, uh, like, re-rolls. Uh, you can use them to, like, get a really temporary specific skill. Like, yeah, you can, like, decide to have experience points. Yeah, you can use it, like, uh, you get, I think it's four or five experience points you get for each like tier and then you like get to get a big skill and then it resets. But like during that time, you can like use like a few points of your experience points to get like a very specific skill. Like I we're in a big castle uh, for various reasons. And you always are supposed to create craft a narrative, but you can use experience points to like have knowledge of like the creatures that specifically live in this castle. So you do, like better against them or you know i'm like have studied this architecture somewhere so i'm really good specifically at navigating this castle 
But um, mm -hmm. I realize now that's talking about a specific things rules and not how I rule rules. So I got off topic yet again. Uh, but yeah, I, I think <laughs> honorable mention to Powered by the Apocalypse systems for them handling individual experience well as well. Mm-hmm. Because realistically, and... it's rarely that unbalanced. Um, and even when it does get unbalanced, the adjustments made for most uh, upgrades during Powered by the Apocalypse games are relatively minor and aren't going to be as big of an edge as, say, hey, this person in this 5e game is at least one level ahead of the rest of the party. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can't let but, it get that far before you start, like, just shoveling experience into other people. But that was an example where, you know, I didn't like the rules that were being used. I still played in the game because I liked a lot of other aspects of it. Um, and also, it was run by a friend I've known for years with people I've known for over, uh, at this point, 20 years. But... Uh... I tried not to let it become openly grumbly during the game. And when it was really starting to irritate us about certain things, um, there was also a lot of sessions where there was like three hour asides where we just like all went in the other room and basically watched a movie. Okay. Three hours is not it, but there was one that was an hour and a half. Cause we put on a movie during it. Um, where it was just with the one character. No, that is cursed. As a GM, if your uh, players are going to fucking watch uh, Scott Pilgrim for the fourth time this month. <laughs> yeah, um, that's 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 and, pretty rough. Like, I'll, do, I'll things... do side missions and things, but the longest that has ever gone during a session was, you know, a couple of weeks ago when... Uh, one player was on her own for about half an hour and everyone else just kind of like did their own thing for a little bit uh, and just like had an extended food and bathroom break because yeah, she had and, an important you know, it, decision to make that affected the rest of the entire campaign. Um, if you're if you're playing a game like this and that's got to happen, I mean, for some reason... And your and your players are all cool with it. You're, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus one on one for like the next forty minutes. Uh, you know, have a have a deck of cards there. Have a <laughs> have a connect four game. I don't know your friends. Also, they're your friends. They probably know how to go into the next room and hook up Mario Kart. Like, you know, go entertain yourselves. You're adults. Hackers. It just it depends. I usually don't do a lot of secrets at my in person games, especially. So most of the time, I'll have people there because. A lot of us will, like, love responding to, like, mm -hmm. whoa, uh, that's so cool. Um, but, yeah, I'll also admit, this player also was someone who would challenge me a lot on my rules. Because, uh, as I said, uh, he is very old school. Um, and, you know, I did technically start with uh, third edition, but but I wouldn't really consider what I did with that starting. But I've always been for as much as I can enjoy some crunch, I've always enjoyed ease of use for everyone. Um, which is why like I quickly, I don't even do, I always do milestone in my games that it works in. Again, games like the Cypher system, 
that doesn't work. But, uh, but there were rulings I made that he'd get annoyed with. Oh, right. I changed a monster and he was annoyed because the monster did not have the, uh, stats that he believed it had had. I was like, well, I didn't use the one that was in the book. I made it myself. Yeah. Also, a little suspicious that you knew this so specifically. Yeah, um, I I very recently changed a monster the... from the book. Yeah, I, I very recently changed Monsters. a uh, changed a hazard slash monster in our Frost Maiden game because it didn't make any sense to me how it could be doing the things in universe it was doing with the like damage resistances it had. Quite literally, look, so spoilers for Rhyme of the Frostmaiden for like two minutes. This is the mold that was resistant for to uh, fire, but weak to ice. Yes, and was causing the entire room right. to be much colder. I, I guess to some degree I can understand why they do that, but also it really feels just like a ha ha, you thought you... We caught, we tricked you. Don't you feel tricked by our clever twist? Um, yeah. I mean, we, we talked a little bit about the mechanics of it and how maybe it's something that is like the processes that keep it going are like wildly exo or wildly endothermic. So like it can take in a lot of fire damage and cause that to grow, cause it to grow and like, that's what causes it to cool down the surrounding environment. But I don't think it's that deep. <laughs> I think we were looking for reasoning after the fact. Uh, but anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I struggle with deciding how to rule things sometimes, but it really does just come down to what's the most interesting right now. Um, and I do, yeah. I, I do so experience points sometimes. I do experience points and not uh, milestone. If it's something that I know is going to be a little bit more combat focused anyway. Like um, when I did the Pathfinder playtest, I was doing a little bit of a mix of experience point and milestone. Which is mm -hmm. kind of what I do anyway, but it, I don't know. Sometimes it's you just give nice experience to watch. points until you're like you guys should level up. Yeah, sometimes it's sometimes it's just nice to see to see that little counter go up. I like I like watching my experience bar go up, and then reset. Mm -hmm. It's fun. Um, but yeah, uh, so you said you were in a Pathfinder two uh, playtest. Yeah, I ran the Pathfinder two playtest, and I had um, let's see how many pages three pages of uh, house rules that I did on it because I was reading through the rule book and I was just like, nope, don't like that, don't like that, don't like that, don't like that. Uh, so I, I made a little document full of house rules for people, uh, including the reasoning for my house rules because that's, that is something that I like to contribute if I am changing the rules of a game uh, more than, like, a minor point here and there is I like to explain my reasoning so that people understand, like, okay, that's why you're changing it. It's not just arbitrary. Um, Nobody should be worried about a GM changing the rules of the game because, as a player, you can also change the rules of the game. 
Also, chances are pretty good your GM is changing the rules of the game to make it a more interesting and entertaining game for everyone involved. Like, oh, it's so yeah. weird, though, how this is different than something like board games, where if you start, like, being malleable with the rules, it dissolves immediately. How is this different? Well, that's the thing. Everyone has their own house rules for a lot of different board games, like... The, the whole thing with, like, oh, no one but actually not, plays games, you Monopoly. Change them mid yeah, but in board games, you wouldn't change them midway. That's true. That's true. Contextually. But with board it's games, just, uh... it's so rarely uh, cooperative. So if someone's changing the rules midway, it's, like, you wouldn't change the rules of a board game midway because... Like, nine times out of ten, the person changing the rules is doing it to benefit themselves, whereas changing the rules midway in an RPG is changing the rules to benefit everybody. Unless, of course, your GM's a dick and just uses that as an opportunity to change the rules to help themselves. And hurt uh, you. All this changing the rules talk has made me remember a card game I used to play called Flux with two X's. Have you played that? Oh, hell yeah. Flux is really fun. They had all these nerd culture expansion packs. I had a Monty Python expansion pack for it. Hmm. The premise of the game is, it's like a really simple, like, here's the goal. Get these two cards, or like cards of these two genres. The genres would be like, it's a food. It's, I don't know. It's metal. Hmm. It's the sun and the moon. Um, but then you would constantly be changing the uh, rules and how the game is played with a lot of cards. Yeah, it's stupid. No, it's not. Anyway, um, uh, Jay has uh, decided to ignore us to make sure she logs into Endwalker. Oh, now yeah. you're going to act all sheepish and come back to the couch? Uh, this is no, not the, sheepishness. They're like one or two... I am not going to apologize about the fact that it... Uh, there's one or two house rules I wanted to share from the Pathfinder list, um, which was just like, oh, the point-out action was a standard action in the Pathfinder 2 playtest, which I haven't played the, the like, final version of Pathfinder 2. I still want to. Um, I think it's a very different system from Pathfinder 1, but I'm interested to see just how different. Um, but point out was one of the actions you could take on your turn, and, like, you had an action... Uh, an action point allocation of three actions a turn, including your move action, um, which was a whole weird thing, but I'll talk more about that in a second. But point out was an action, and I changed that to a free action because it was ridiculous to have someone, like, pointing at something and talking as an action when yeah, don't in like any that. other situation that would be a free action. Um um, and the only yeah, other thing... Yeah, also, uh, as a player, like, managing what your other players' characters, like, know or don't know to that level... Yeah. ...can get really tedious and really weird unless you're, like, doing some sort of, I don't know, tactics thing. Like, if it was a, you know, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure moment where, like, the, your strategy is literally to get somebody's attention and, like, explain to them the factors of the puzzle you're in. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah. 
Um, if the somebody other thing... like if somebody like rolls their language to like read something in a different language, it's assumed they just read it out loud, like they're in a movie. Uh, the only other big thing was um, uh, was for casters. A lot of spells were two action points, and everyone had three action points per turn. So casters would just end up having like a wasted action every single turn they wouldn't be able to use on a spell um so i just added in the ability to spend an action to begin preparing another spell so like theoretically if you had one action left over in a turn or like you spent one action disengaging from melee combat and one action moving away you could then spend your third action that turn prepping your next spell you just then, if you took damage, have to roll a concentration check, just like you would if you were doing a concentration-based spell. Um, and I don't normally do concentration checks. It, it's a thing I usually forget about, but like I included it in this case because you're beginning to channel that ability for that spell to happen. Um, and I... Yeah, okay, I set the DC, it was a constitution fortitude save, equal to 10 plus one quarter times the damage taken rounded down. So, like, if you took 20 damage in a turn, the DC on it would be 15, which is rough but not horrible. Um, though, if you're a caster class, generally, your constitution is not going to be great anyway. Like yeah, that, yeah. I mean, it was it was me changing a bit of the system of the game in order to make people actually be able to do more shit. And that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, one of the cardinal sins of RPGs is players not feel or feeling like they can't do well shit. Yeah. Um. Uh, you can experience this in a lot of things. Uh, you know, it actually reminds me of one of my favorite video games, uh, Morrowind, which had a hidden uh, RNG counter for when you attacked an enemy and hit them. And while I get what they were trying to do, your attacks would always do more damage than, like, I guess what you would say, like, maybe they do in, like, a Skyrim or Oblivion. It still didn't feel good when you're just swinging your weapon at a person in front of you and not hitting them. Mm. Nothing feels worse to a player than feeling completely I'm a foot away impotent. from this wild boar. How can I not be hitting it with the sword? How can he dodge? I am mm. a foot away from this old woman who I was practicing my persuasion then taunting skills on to level it up and then encouraged her to punch me first, which makes it legal to kill her in Morrowind. Uh, and frankly, I can't even hit her. She's actually about to kill me because she punched me to the ground and I'm just looking up at her as she's, this old woman is punching me to death in her house. Yeah. I mean, hey, I Morrowind, started, Morrowind has very strong hold your ground laws. It does. It really does. Before, it, it was actually, uh, okay, very quick aside, before they added the uh, last expansion, I think it was, that added a house for the player. I always would find, like, a rich person's house in, like, one of the first towns and just persuade them uh, and just taunt them till they attacked me. And then it's like, this is my house now after I killed them. It's like, there we go. 
and now I live here. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, I wanted to say one of my favorite in... house rules for um, fifth edition. I don't remember where I first heard it now, um, but it's the idea of crit successes and crit failures on initiative rolls. Um, because, oh, yes. Because everyone gets like, oh, cool. Yeah, I crit succeeded on initiative. Great. I get to go first. Um, changing that instead to like, you still get the numerical benefit of having a 20 or the detriment of having a one on your initiative roll. Uh, but then if you get a crit success on initiative, you have essentially advantage on your first roll in that, uh, in that combat. And if you have dis or if you have a crit failure, you essentially have disadvantage. Um, that gets a little bit squiffy sometimes because like, oh, well, if you're at the end of initiative roll, like, well, what if someone makes you do a saving throw? Okay, you have disadvantage on the saving throw. Well, what if someone comes over to attack you? Wouldn't that, wouldn't it be the same thing of them? Like, well, they have advantage on hitting you because otherwise they would do something with a saving throw and you'd have disadvantage. Like, yeah, okay, that makes a certain degree of sense, but like, it's a little bit more up in the air. It's a little bit nebulous when that makes sense and when it doesn't, based off of how you're defining that crit success or that crit failure. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Miles, I because I can't. Hmm? No, go ahead. No, uh, I was just gonna say like I can't remember. It it has come up I like just... twice in our Frost Maiden game. And yeah, and every time it 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 is a cool version of it. I think. Um, adding flair to anything is always good, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, it's, and it's how our team because... bard got uh, traumatized because he crit failed on initiative and then just like got absolutely fucking wrecked by uh, by a couple of things. Right, you said teen bard. I was like, wait, I thought you said team bard. I was like, I don't remember. The oh, right, I forgot we have another bard on our team. Yeah, we've got two um, bards. The thing every party needs. I'm I'm none of I'm them just I'm to just me kidding. have I like really bards. jumped out as bards. Um, how dare you? Do I yeah. need to start seducing every person? I I was I would actually say Dilbert strikes strikes me as way more of a bard than Azriel. That's fine. I didn't again, Azriel is I don't like saying post bard like as in like uh they're post bard. It's like no. They, when you met, if you had met them, like, 25 years ago, this character would have been the every bard you had thought to, like, you would meet. That's why they the have... The bard your mama warned you about. This is why they have mm. so many children. Um, but, you know, raising children softens you and also, though, makes you, uh, extremely, uh anal and mothering and sometimes worry about your party's moralities and touching strange fungi in front of you. Um, no, uh, I've been debating if my character should backslide, but I don't think they're going to. Um, but my question for you, Miles, mm. is I can't actually remember what are the rules for potions during combat in 5e? Because ah. I've always done the, uh, it is a um, bonus action to drink one yourself and full action to give one to another player. 
So but I don't remember what they actually are written in the book as. So I believe it's an action no matter what in the book. Um, and someone, <laughs> someone showed me an interesting version of this rule the, like, oh, maybe a month or two ago now, uh, that I do really like, but just hasn't come up in my 5e games that I play. Um, where if you do it as a bonus action, you roll for how much you heal, and if you do it as a full action, then you get the maximum possible health. I adore that. Yeah, I think actually. that's really interesting. Like, that's a cool way of doing that, and I want to try it out. Well, <laughs> Monday, next session, my character's just going to go out and be like, Hello, I have this much monies. Could I buy all the potions? Yeah, I was about to say, then uh, you better get some new potions, because uh, that bag of holding collapsed in on itself, taking all of your potions with it. Ah, heckers, who cares about that? That's about as important to me as the fact that I'm leaving important NPCs just wasting away in our inn. <laughs> um, hey, it's better than leaving him wasting away in prison, which is what he was doing. True, again, I'm viewing this as Pokemon rules. I caught my legendary NPC, but it would be cheating to use him for too much, so I'm just leaving him in the inn, which is now the Pokemon box. Yeah. Um... Besides, it's still, this character is very oh. interesting oh, to wait, like. It's more like recruiting someone like to your town. Like they should be a vendor now of specific items. <laughs> well, it's still like odd because it's like this character is the character that Jay's character was pretending to be for months of playing. So now I'm like, I don't know, like how. So everyone thought they were getting invested with this character, but uh, 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 he's mm -hmm. now he's a useless NPC in the tavern. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm trying to think of what 5e house rules I run. Um, and like, you know, it's been so long since I've ran 5e. I don't generally like running 5e, so I don't. Um, um oh, <laughs> this is, this is a house rule, even though it's technically not a rule, it's just the absence of a rule. Uh, but I don't give a shit about multi-classing requirements. How you need to have, like, certain oh. stat levels and shit to multi-class into different stats. Like, I, I don't care. If you have a reason why your character would go into that class, like, story-wise, cool. I honestly didn't, uh, know that you didn't do that. Um, but you did say story-wise, which is oftentimes, like, something I... Always try to think of with my characters if I'm doing multi-classing. Classing. Like, um, if if someone suddenly wants to like, if if our fucking paladin wants to take a level of like, I don't even know what. If she wanted to take a level of monk for some reason, I don't know. <laughs> uh, she could do that. I don't care. I mean, realistically, she's a paladin with plus zero to religion already. So like. I mean, honestly, like, for me, I play so many caster types that it's not that multi-classing for casters is bad. It's just usually interesting. No, it's pretty um, bad. You're right, but remember, 5e is a perfect system with no 
weird flaws at all. Um, again, okay, I just said I don't like uh, running 5e. I do usually enjoy playing in 5e, such as when Miles is running it. It's very enjoyable. Um, to be fair, though, I think I'd probably enjoy any game you run in uh, 5e, just Thanks. as incidentally the system we're playing. Thank you. Fun shot's gonna test that guess. <laughs> okay, well, we also probably I I predict we'll have like three normal games in that, and then they're just gonna descend into just one shot insanities. Um, you know what? Actually, fun shot may be a good opportunity for me to go back to the or go to the like new version of the. Pokemon RPG we were playing for a while and just do it as a quick one shot like all right everyone pick a couple of Pokemon you have this amount of experience to spend on them and then we'll do like an Orange Islands uh beach episode that makes perfect sense to me I mean I, I sorry to always bring up fun shot and stuff but like uh I've said like homebrew and stuff and that's because I don't want to say that we're not going to do any, like, 5e, but the only 5e I probably would do in it is going to be, like, heavily homebrewed uh, stuff, like a Final Fantasy XIV uh, one-shot or something. Mm -hmm. um, uh, just because I get my normal 5e fix, and most people have experienced a normal 5e fix. Heckers, I woke up uh, the other day, and... For whatever reason, even though I haven't listened to a single episode of the new season and did not finish the second season, uh, Critical Role Season 3 was playing uh, just autoplay, and it somehow got there from a Jenny Nicholson video I fell asleep listening to. So I don't know the algorithm, but it's 5e. 5e can just be anything it wants to be. The algorithm um, is gay nerds. Yeah, no, you got me. I was yeah, listening that, to a two-hour-long yeah, video about Vampire Diaries. Oh, I actually also to. recently watched that video. Uh, I, I, I have definitely not watched that more than twice. Listen, I, sometimes you you're dating someone, you watch it once, and they're like, "Oh, I want to watch this now," and you're like, "Oh, okay." I have not watched Vampire Diaries, but I have watched uh, originals and legacies, and. Oh boy, do I have no interest in watching Vampire Diaries now. Um, and now I'm just thinking we definitely need to do... And here's the thing, not Monster Hearts. We're not Hearts, adding another... Uh, or we could okay. do Monster Hearts again. I thought you were about to say, we should do a Vampire Diaries podcast. Like, we're not adding another podcast. We're not, we're not doing no, that. No, I just... I actively love the genre. Um, or at least I used to, of Teenage Supernatural... Not specifically YA girl romance versions of it, but, um, like, I loved the first two seasons of Teen Wolf, uh, and statement there. <laughs> After that, I was like, oh, no. Well, because season one was, like, so bad, it was good. Like, it was so on genre, and, and I'm genre savvy enough that while watching it, I was quoting, like, half the lines before they were said. And my friend's like, are you sure you haven't watched this? It's like, no, I've just watched shows before. Mm -hmm. And then season two was, like, genuinely good. And I was like, I don't, I don't understand this at all. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, how do you but, how, how do you deal with a with a teen supernatural show that's actually good? Well, then it did, wasn't. Okay. <laughs> After that, in my opinion, uh, well, I, I I'd be curious to see how I feel about season two going back to it. It's one of those things where the season three stuff like soured me so much that I'm like, I bet I couldn't even enjoy season two anymore. But I'd love to do a one shot or a few episodes of a teen supernatural drama that and it's not that I think Monster Hearts is bad, but I would prefer it not being Monster Hearts only mm -hmm. because our group is not catty enough for what Monster Hearts wants specifically. Yeah, we're really not. Um, um, you got to go into it as PvP. You got to put something on the line, you know, you got to have stakes like whoever comes out. I mean, like, what what is there to compete for in Monster Hearts? Like, I mean, everyone Boys. has their own. Uh, I'm yeah, everyone has their own motivations that they write into their character. But I'm saying, what if you established stakes as the in, as, in the storytelling? Like, I don't know what would that look like. Like, I was playing as the mortal, and I think it's the mortal in that. I can't remember the mundane. Um, in the first one I played of that, and no one was trying to, like, steal, uh, the mundane's lover from her. So, like, if you guys wanted some PvP, I would have been all about that. It's like, no, you do not try to steal whoever Stacy is in love with at this point. Mm. Because she would, like, well, there was, we, we did have some parallel dimension shit happen. And remember, I did accidentally kill a person because they were insulting my boy, not boyfriend in that. Uh, mm -hmm. I think we're moving just... a bit too far away from house rules. Oh, how dare you being right. I know. Um, I guess it's just... Okay, so house rules should be... Okay, house rules. The house... The they house should be for the benefit of everybody. to agree on the rules. For the benefit yeah. of everyone, they should be tested, and if pe after a session or two, people aren't liking them, then... I, I table it as a discussion like you know discuss what you guys think to handle because if you're making a house rule it's usually to address something unless you're just arbitrarily making a house rule which some house rules can be for tone like i've seen a lot of videos discussing how to make combat feel more realistic and gritty in 5e i've never run with any of them but that is not necessarily to fix issues with the gameplay but to add a different flavor Mm-hmm. I um, house-ruled the hell out of the Pokemon game we played. Um, and I imagine you'd really have to with that. It, requ it required it, yeah. It it really did, but it was also an unfinished game. Like, it is, in theory, in 1.0 now. Um, but, like, it required mm -hmm. a separate, uh, two separate rolls. One for, like, rolling to hit a Pokemon with a Pokeball, and a second one for whether or not the Pokemon actually stayed in the Pokeball. And like, oh, yeah. That that's just and not each fun. Each one had so many little like modifiers for the dice pool. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, it's like actually Pokemon catching. Yeah, yeah. But also, I, uh... like, there were bits in there that were fun. But like, I I built a I built a Pokemon contest system into that game from nothing. Uh. And it was fun, and it was interesting, and, like, I realistically was way more invested, truthfully, in the Pokemon contests than I was in the gyms. 
because the gyms were just that like... doesn't sound surprising it sounds like they were a little bogged down in that version yeah that was a relaxing afternoon i had of just like listening to them do the contests at length so homebrew should be for the benefit of everyone it should be to either fix an issue that you're having with the system that could be fixed by um a homebrew rule it should be to maybe establish a specific tone or something and they're not set in stone and neither are the rules the rules i usually hold up to a slightly higher not standard but it comes with the authority of the publishers yeah but a homebrew should be tested and i mean if your players are cool with it test it during the session mm -hmm. um and yeah you it has to also, be it has to be clear like these are pl this is a play test of these house rules generally and um, you know uh, what you were saying is also if you're able to explain why well not if you're able to explain why you're changing the rule like mm -hmm. just don't just say and it can be as simple as because it's easier um you know and i'm happy that more books are coming out with more variations of rules um like you know next time we play savage worlds there is a pretty big section on just uh differing versions of rules if you want it's like do you guys not want to handle money and just like a numeric value do you want to just have it be a role that like your money goes up and down depending on this and stuff uh and i'm all for more systems doing things like that just realizing kind of like coming with some pre-built home homebrew optional rules built in but we are not doing encumbrance no oh, way god no actually in Never. ryutama we will be oh no <laughs> ryutama uh well it's one of the here's the yeah. thing we could do ryutama actually does have a few optional rules and one of them is to ignore encumbrance but i feel like because ryutama is so light in a lot of other things why not just try with encumbrance if we don't like it then we will homebrew it. Again, it's I'm going to be new to running it, so I will probably rule it mostly rules as written for a lot of it until we're like repeatedly running into a wall and we're like, no, I don't like this wall. Uh, encumbrance is something that can be done interestingly. I have never... I've never put the mental energy into making <laughs> it interesting. I've just ignored it um oh yeah but like I, I, I almost always ignore it yeah i will 100 percent say though that if you are if you're making a system like if you if you are building a homebrewed system and money has weight <laughs> stop and then don't do that sorry. thing sorry no i'm just thinking of fucking skyrim unless now. Unless your theme is about the burden of wealth. In okay, which case, yes. yes, you absolutely have that in place. Unless there is a genuine I... thematic reason for it. Yeah, okay. But like, fucking hell. Like, the pa the fucking Pathfinder 2 playtest shifted the default uh, currency to silver, but kept money having weight it's like no it's fine we mm -hmm. the the default currency is silver pieces now it's like yeah but you didn't actually solve anything 
you just made it so that now instead of getting like 20 copper for something or like paying three copper for a nice meal, we're paying three silver for a nice meal. You just you just created inflation is what you did. That's that's all you did. You didn't solve way to go. Now the economy's ruined. Paizo, this is why people organize or unionized <laughs> because you created inflation. Uh, but... I um. Oh gosh. So, um, but whatever. we all agreed. Like, I think the I think knowing the rules is important to a point. Um, but uh, you're not expected to know everything. Homebrew rules should be created after you do understand the rules enough to understand why they're impeding you. Um, or to create a tone. Hmm. Uh, nothing set in stone. I know, I'm just, like, kind of just... I want to make sure we kind of cut... We've been very loosey-goosey this episode, so I'm just trying yeah. to, like, go through, like, my mental notes. I actually might disagree with the idea that, uh... That house rules need to be implemented once you understand the rules. Because... And I know, I... Yeah. Because realistically, I'd say, like... You can, you can create house rules while you are reading the book for the first time and be like, okay, I kind of see what they're doing here, but this makes no fucking sense or is poorly explained. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it this way for now. You know, I, I, I understand what you're saying and I overall agree with you on it because I think there's also this thing is that rules and tactical, tactical tabletop RPGs are oftentimes written in such a way that you will actually be creating homebrew rules whether you realize it or not. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because interpreting the rules is oftentimes its own game. And so, again, you don't need... I don't think you need to do that. I'm like of two minds. I think you don't need to know all the rules to even play a tabletop game. I oh, think definitely. to master anything, you really need to understand it. I'm of someone, and maybe this is just the remnants of my writing courses, like, degree in me. It's like, yeah, break the rules. But to break the rules, you should understand them first. No, have to. Like, Picasso could paint photorealistically, and it's only when you stand what understand what people's faces are supposed to look like and you get them real fucked up into shapes. <laughs> Yeah, generally speaking, your house rules are going to be improved by you actually understanding the rules uh, originally. Um, that's, of course, that's I also st still stay by if you're... And I also think you and I, who have played and run games for a bit now, we are more naturally inclined to rewrite and make homebrew rules as we're reading... Uh, then I guess I'm talking in my head to like a new GM, even though I did not establish that as a fact. But I mean, I don't even know why I'm acting like this is an advice show. No one's going to listen to us numb nuts talking about for advice. We're just a goofy talk podcast. So thank you everybody for listening to the Shoot in the Sheet podcast. It's been Jay and Miles and Jay in no particular order. It's true. Um, I was the first Jay that was mentioned this time. Because uh, you have to save yourself for your other podcast you do. Uh, where can we find that at, Miles? Uh, yeah, it's uh, the On Air Book Fair podcast. Uh, you can find it pretty much wherever with the name On Air Book Fair. We just wrapped up Percy Jackson. And, and I we think... spent like four hours talking about it. 
We I'm so yeah, sorry. Yeah, our most recent episode is is gonna be a long one. Um But we're gonna be ta- we're gonna be reading fucking Magic Treehouse Christmas in Camelot as our last episode in December. Which I think technically schedule wise we'd be recording tomorrow, but I have a distinct feeling we're not going to. Uh especially I, because at least two of us have pod- not read the book yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep as a as an ob- as an objective observer yes i've uh i uh don't think you're recording tomorrow probably i don't know no um <laughs> but it is a fun podcast they have n- really natural uh chemistry on it uh i don't know why i'm making this sound like anyone that's got to this far has probably not listened to an episode and of this and possibly that as well. Hmm. Um, oh, um, should we starting plug, a GoFundMe we to buy the a big car? We should. Uh, I will post a link to our Discord where we talk about tabletop things, post pictures of dogs and cats and other pets. Honestly, that's why you should go to it to see our cute dogs and cats. We all do have some adorable pets. Um. We're also always open to talk about tabletop RPGs. Um, we also chat about pornography. There is an NSFW section for those that are over 18. Yeah. Uh, I just took a look at it, and don't worry. Uh, if if you're worried about coming into this and thinking that there's going to be a ton of people, don't worry. There's only 18 users. And only, like, <laughs> two of them, maybe, post in the nsfw chat <laughs> which yeah. is what everyone's concerned about Sorry. i'm pretty i'm pretty sure i've had that muted since day one <laughs> yeah nothing what you don't have everything muted what do you get like a million notifications a day i i'm i'm thinking about changing this name for the anyway that's its own thing uh you can't really find me at anywhere else right now because i'm busy trying to uh reteach myself how to make dice uh try a different style of pixel art for tokens and work on a business plan for a game store. Uh, but once fun shot starts, we'll, you'll find me on there, which will be uploaded on. I don't know. Talking about the game store is so weird because it's like within five years, that's either going to be like, Oh wow. You remember? Or it's going to be like, Oh wow. You remember? I don't have a very good memory. Unfortunately, that's it. No more podcast. Love y'all. I need to rework this world in some major ways.